welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. All right. Well, what we're going to do is start with um, the traditions. We're going to start in the big book, and we're going to go to page, in between pages 561 and 565. And because of the nature of this this uh, tradition and the next one, I would really like to read the introduction on page 561, because it is so important. And it says, uh, to those now in its fold, Alcoholics Anonymous... Bob? Yeah. Bob, would you go ahead and do that? I'm already hearing background noise. Would you go ahead with that reading? All right, I'll do, this. I'll do the star five. Thank you. Muted. All right. You're all muted. You can unmute yourselves and start six. <clears throat> to those now in its fold, Alcoholics Anonymous has made the difference between misery and sobriety and often the difference between life and death. It can, of course, mean just as much to uncounted alcoholics not yet reached. I'd like to point out right here that this very same thing applies to all of the fellowships, I believe, that um, have asked for permission to use the 12 steps and 12 traditions. I was having a discussion with a, a person from another fellowship the other night and I could see how it plays such a role. And I, I really believe down through this, these are what really protect our fellowships from us and from other people just like us. Because therefore, no society of men and women ever had a more urgent need for continuous effectiveness and permanent unity. We alcoholics see that we must work together and hang together, else most of us will finally die alone. The 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous are, we AAs believe, the best answers that our experience has yet given to those ever-urgent questions, how can AA best function, and how can AA best stay whole and so survive? <clears throat> On the next page, AA's 12 traditions are seen in the so-called short form, the form in general used today. This is a condensed version of the original long form, AA traditions that's first printed in 1946. Because the long form is more explicit and of possible historic value, it is also reproduced. And I find the long form to really help a lot of time in discussions or disputes to bring forth um, what, was in, what was really intended in the first round when they were made. But also the short form contains very good stuff in there that was uh, brought about through the, the school of hard knocks. And we're on 11, so I'll do the short form first. It says, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And then we'll jump over to page 565. This is in the fourth edition. And we'll go to tradition 11. Our relations with the general public should be characterized by personal anonymity. We think AA ought to avoid sensational advertising. Our names and pictures as AA members are not to be broadcast. 
filmed or publicly printed. Our public relations should be guided by the principle of attraction rather than promotion. There is never need to praise ourselves. We feel it better to let our friends recommend us. And that last sentence has proven out so true, especially in dealing with the press and so many other people, the media, um, that has worked so much better and with the professionals also, letting them recommend us rather than us out there trying to promote ourselves. And one of the things that happens that, that we're going to get into here is, and it'll be pointed out in these next readings, is so often uh, what's lost track of is the promotion starts to be for the person trying to do it rather than the principles trying to be put forth of the 12 steps that save people's lives. Okay, on page 128, in AA Comes of Age, for those who have it, I love this book. really brings forth some history. And on page 128, we get right into uh, some things there, some of the stuff that I've had experience with. And um, at the, right in the first paragraph, it says, uh, Without its legions of well-wishers, AA could never have grown as it has. Throughout the world, favorable publicity has been the principal means of bringing alcoholics to our fellowship. It's a principal means. In AA offices, clubs, and home telephones ring constantly. One voice says, I read a piece in the newspaper. Another, I heard a radio program. And still another, I saw a moving picture. Or we saw something about AA on television. It's so, it's no exaggeration to say that half of AA's membership has been led to us through channels like these. And that right there is, we have committees for that in our fellowship, and it's called public information. And that is to, to uh, deal with the people who in public information and get the public informed and um, making sure that what we send out is in keeping with our traditions, and, and, and I'm talking all the fellowships, in the traditions of all the fellowships and putting forth what this what each program has to offer people who are dying from the malady that this uh, fellowship represents. The very next paragraph moves to another category. The inquiring voices were not all alcoholics or their families. Doctors read medical papers in AA, about AA and called for more information. Clergymen see articles in their church journals and also make inquiries. Employers learn that great corporations have set their approval upon us and wish to discover what can be done about alcoholism in their own firms. Here we're talking about the thing called cooperation with the professional community, or CPC uh, committees. And these are very important in developing uh, relationships between the fellowship and the people who are the professionals, the doctors, the employers, the churches, the judges, uh, dealing them and giving them like a liaison that can go speak to these people and actually put on panels. I've been able to participate in that where we put on panels so that the people um, <clears throat> that we're dealing with could understand more what what our fellowship is all about and what we can do together to help the people who are dying from this. And that is our common goal with the professionals, is they want to help the people stop dying from this and creating so much havoc in our society. And we in the fellowships, we want to help these people not die and and put forth this... Uh, this uh, spiritual program for them. And then that type of, of uh, we have a kind of a common goal, but we're not in cooperation. 
We just have a common goal. And when we develop that relationship with them and keep it open, it's amazing how well, how it eases our ability to be in the jails and how, and going to uh, treatment facilities or different places and putting on workshops to help those who are suffering. And that's one part of this, uh, tradition that where we really have to watch what we do and observe these things so we can keep that relationship and not go haywire with it and start putting our pictures in the paper and promoting ourselves rather than what we the, the fellowship that we, we represent. Therefore, the response, I'll find in the next paragraph, it says, uh, we found that we had to rely upon the principle of attraction rather than promotion. And that is such a big thing in all of our fellowships. I know, especially, I know for AA, because I've, I've been with it quite a while now, and the way we behave ourselves and the way we conduct ourselves has such a power of attraction. And when we try to promote, we're, um, it says over farther in here that we get really carried away as, as members of these different fellowships. We get carried away and we start promoting ourselves and we get, uh, we actually drive people off. And when we just try to do with a, with the principle of attraction, and I personally have had some things that have worked unbelievably in my life. They were totally, uh, un- unexpected. And those are such things as police officers that knew me from before that had, had to deal with me a lot. In fact, one of them had to come up and take my statement while I was in the treatment center. And uh, two years later, that police officer came to me and asked me for help with his sister because he saw the way I was living then after two years. And there was other police officers that brought people to me to try to help them get into AA because they saw such a change in me uh, and the way I behaved. It wasn't I wasn't out there trying to promote it. I was just living within the within the bounds of the law and being a citizen of the where I was at. And that was because of the program. Not because I'm so uniquely qualified. It's because of this program and how it helped me to learn how to live. And I think that's what we can set forth to many people by the way we live. Our families get to see the way we live. We can try to sell them that we're doing better, but it's the way we live, and that's that attraction rather than promotion. And I think that's a really a, a key thing. On page uh, 129, the next page over, um, it says right at the top of the page, part of what I just said, I temperament, many of us have been irresponsible promoters. And the prospect of a society composed largely of promoters was frightening. We knew we had to exercise self-restraint. And I know I don't care what fellowship we're in. Uh, self-restraint is just unbelievably tough. It always was for me. It still is. Restraint of tongue and pen is really hard for me. <laughs> um, thank God for this program. It helps me to keep my mouth out of a lot of things and my nose out of a lot of things. And the next paragraph down... It, it says that obviously AA had to be publicized somehow. So we resorted to the idea that it would be far better to let our friends do this for us. And it's been amazing how that has worked out. Every year a letter is sent out to the media asking them to help, help us please observe our, our uh, anonymity and not putting forth people's pictures and their names in the media. Uh, in the last few years that's gotten a little bit more relaxed. Uh, by the media and by some of our members who think they, they have a different view on it. And I'll get to that right now in here in this, in this, what, uh, what some of us start to think. 
Um, and it says they, the, the people in publicity have done this to an amazing extent. Veteran newsmen, trained doubters that they are, have gone all out to carry AA's message. And then farther down in that paragraph, there's a society which said it wished to publicize its principles and its works, but not as, as a society uh, which said it wishes to publicize its principles and its works, but not as individual members. That came as such a newsflash to the media back then, and it still is today. When we say, no, I don't want my name in there, we don't want our names in there, Let's, we just want what, the, what this program is all about um, to be put forth. And we in our towns, in our states, in our towns, we can go connect with these people, and, and, and through, and I know through AA, we have things that are passed down from the General Service Office in New York, but we also can develop them right here in our own towns and our own districts and areas that we, we work with them and develop a uh, something to be printed in the paper at times, you know, to maybe reach out there and maybe touch somebody, some families and some alcoholics. And I know that the other fellowships have that capacity, too. Um, down at the last part of this, in this on this page 129, it says, with perfectly good intent... Um, Here's, here's how we get off. This is, this is what I was talking about just a minute ago. This is how some of us, we get off when we start thinking different ways. And I know you've all heard this stuff before. It says, with perfectly good intent, these folks declared that the principle of anonymity was horse and buggy stuff, something appropriate to AA's pioneer days. They were sure that AA could go faster and farther if it availed itself of modern publicity methods. AA, they pointed out, included many persons of local, national, and international fame. Provided they were willing, and many were, why shouldn't their membership in public be publicized, thereby encouraging others to join? Now, I don't think I have to say much here that we've had some uh, people of fame uh, publicized in the recent year, recent year or two, that have big names, but they haven't been really good publicity. And that's one of the problems. Somebody can get sober and stay sober for a while or clean and stay clean for a while or, you know, and do well. But then if they, if they slip or they fall or they, if they don't do well and they go back to their old ways, the media is right there to capitalize on that and say, look, see, it doesn't work. And it does us far more harm. We're better, like you said earlier, we're far better to promote the principles of this program. We, not everybody gets gets into the programs and and does well the rest of their life. Some don't, and that's a pity, but some just don't. And some of us with the largest egos are some of those that, that end up back out there in the media, making a horse's hind end out of ourselves and drawing really bad uh, publicity to the fellowship that was trying to help us save our lives. Um, there was a fellow that um, was trying to put something together um, trying to do something on the radio and he and that was on page 130 and he started 12 he put together 12 lectures on Alcoholics Anonymous and then he uh, and he included a mixture of AA and his own religious ideas and he put them on the air and uh, contrary to our expectations he got a modest result and he came in and he started a group well then he went on to do more he was going to go further and do 12 lectures and uh, he was really going to promote himself out there, publicizing that he was an AA and 
and he was really going to do the deal, and it all it all evaporated on him. Uh, and I think those are the places where we can really uh, do some harm. And when he got into it uh, in AA, he said he was going to do it no matter what the trustees thought. And so the trustees said, well, then we're just going to have to write letters to everybody and have them contact uh, the people that are sponsoring you uh, that they're not very satisfied with this, and uh, he didn't do it. So some of those things um, work their way out. But it's one of those things, especially when you have people like me and many of them like me, they get into this thing and think, boy, I can really fire this up, and we're really promoters sometimes. And... and, uh, we can really lead the whole thing down the down the trail in the wrong direction. And my most important duty I feel in in my in my life is to make sure that there's there's a meeting in a place where we said there's gonna be a meeting, that the door is open on that day at that time, and that the coffee's on and there's somebody there to welcome them. And we have the book open for them. And I think that uh, my sponsor taught me that and I believe in that wholeheartedly. All the other stuff I can get carried away with, but that's and, I, and my my job and many of us who are involved in service structure, we're just part of the arteries and veins to help carry this message out there farther and, and spread it to other groups and people uh, within the communities, uh, the, the members of the fellowship, and try to get more meetings going in more places more often, so we can reach more of the still suffering and dying. That is the sole purpose of the fellowship is to do that to reach the person who's still suffering. It's not about big money. It's not about notoriety, nothing else. It's about reaching that person out there that's dying from the malady that they're dying from and the fellowship that needs to reach them can be there. Okay, I'm, i got to quit preaching. Um, again, it says it's better to let our friends recommend us. So then it boils down on page 130, uh, 131. It's uh, a really uh, great... Great paragraph here. So this is it. This in brief is the process by which AA's tradition 11 was developed. To us, it represents more than a sound public relations policy. It's more than a denial of self-seeking. Tradition 11 is certainly a constant reminder that personal ambition has no place in AA. But it also implies that each member ought to become an active guardian of our fellowship in its relation with the general public. And, uh, Boy, I tell you, that is that is absolutely on the mark, um, and it's I've, I've witnessed it in in service structure myself, where people believe they're getting promoted to a new position, so they're going to be have more power, and they're going to be able to tell people what to do, or they're going to be more recognized. And I had that same I had that same failure uh, early in, in sobriety, early in service structure work, where I thought I got promoted, and all of a sudden I was one step above and well, I, I learned very fast that it was all I was, because I had more responsibility in trying to help this thing happen. And I'm so glad that there were people around in the program to teach me that, that that's all it was about. It was not about me. It was about helping the people who are still dying. And, uh, boy, they drove it home very well. Okay. We're going to move to the 12 and 12 is basically... As most of you are becoming aware, it's basically the the same, almost the same thing as uh, AA comes of age. The writings in there are very, very similar. Um, 
In fact, almost all of it is attraction rather than promotion. Considering this explosive factor, we had to exercise self-restraint. Um, um, I like this, that there was actually a time when the press of, this is on page 182 in the 12 and 12, there was actually a time when the press of America thought the, thought the anonymity of AA was better for us than some of our own members did. I just, I, I marvel at that, that the people outside of AA saw what we needed to do, kind of like Rockefeller did with our, with us and our money. Um, but I, I, the set of stuff that I know that there's some of you folks there, whatever fellowship you're in, be it AA, FA, Al-Anon, um, GA, OA, uh, just any of them, I know that you hear from people that are coming in and been in a short period or just in the last few years, um, you were going to hear stuff like this. With perfectly good intent, these folks declared that the principle of anonymity was horse and buggy stuff, something appropriate to AA's pioneering days. And boy, have I ever heard that. I today to say, that was back when this thing was started, and we don't need to listen to that anymore. We've got to be moving forward, and they didn't know all the stuff that we know now, and and I'm afraid they did. That's why they put these traditions in here, to protect the fellowship from that. And that is, I consider, a, a huge portion of my responsibility is that the people in my home group, my sponsees, and anybody that, that I can be uh, there is to help bring forth what these traditions are about and bring forth some of the history. I find that in, in, in a lot of our fellowships, understanding the history of where all this stuff came from, there's a lot of people do not understand it. They've never read it. And, I, and it kind of staggers the imagination that here's something that's keeping you alive and you don't even want to know how it got here or what's keeping it together. And, uh, boy, I consider it a privilege when I can do things to help uh, people understand that, especially like in my home group or my districts or other places that I get a chance to go and explain some of this stuff. It's just, you know, I at least relate what it says in our literature and have that there to quote. And uh, so I don't start running off and get on the big bandwagon. It's just trying to help bring this stuff forward because a lot of people never read these. In fact, a lot of them never read the big book, but um, as to why these traditions are there, and they'll argue with you very strongly that they don't apply anymore. And uh, so I try to find out how to be uh, loving and tolerant in my explanations. And uh, believe you me, that was not my way before I got to AA. Like I said before on these talks, that if I couldn't change your mind, I tried to change your face. And I'm sure glad that that stuff that that has changed for me. I haven't had to be in a, in a fistfight if I come into AA. Uh, and I really appreciate the fact that nobody's hit me. Um, I like this part too, the last, the last, uh, paragraph in, on page 183. This in brief is the process by which AA's tradition 11 was constructed. To us, however, it represents far more in a, far more than a sound public relations policy. It is more than a denial of self-seeking. This tradition is a constant and practical reminder that personal ambition has no place in AA. In it, each member becomes an active guardian of our fellowship. And boy, all I can do is say amen to that, because we have to be active in protecting it. 
if we don't tell people who are coming in, especially a lot of all the newcomers and people who have been in a while that don't understand our history and, and the purpose of these, if we don't try to help them understand it, I, I, for me, I know, I feel extremely guilty, and I am guilty because I'm not trying to help this thing stay alive. All, all we're doing is trying to be a, a shake hands and, and smile at everybody type thing when we're in the meeting, and after that, it's all over. And I think that's a that's a recipe for disaster. I used to hear a thing that was called um, the saying was, it says, "Don't drink, go to meetings, and read the big book." Well, I heard a fellow, some of you may know him, but a few years back, I heard a guy say, "That is a, a prescription for death." Because that, that's what can kill people in these fellowships. Because we have to get in here and become active and actually do the steps with the guidance of a sponsor. I really believe in that wholeheartedly. And I know that in the big book, I'm going through it again with another sponsor. We're in Bill's story right now. And we're just about to get into where his sponsor came in there and started guiding him. And uh, I know that for us, part of that sponsorship is helping them understand what we're about and where we came from and how important it is that we, we cleave to these, these, uh, principles that were taught to us in the, in the 12 traditions and also in the concepts. In that pamphlet, what do I add here? Okay, in that pamphlet, uh, the AA group, if some of you have that, there's a couple of quick things I want to touch on there too. Um, and I and I really like this. It's it's something that's been a conference approved by the by the uh, General Service Conference, <clears throat> and it's in here. It talks about many things. Um, on the first page, it says at the level of press, television, radio, film, and the internet, anonymity stresses the quality in AA of all its members. It puts puts the brake on our easily inflatable egos, our misplaced conviction that violating our anonymity will help someone, and our desire for personal recognition or control. Most importantly, the anonymity tradition reminds us that it is the AA message, not the messenger, that counts. At the level, at the personal level, anonymity assures privacy for all members, a safeguard often of special significance to newcomers who may hesitate to seek help in AA if they have any reason to believe their alcoholism may be exposed publicly. And we've just had something like that happening within the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's um, the, the public service announcements that go out over the television. For years, we've had public service announcements, but always the people in those, if there was a person or a body in there, their face was always disguised or not shown or, you know, their back was to it, but the face was never recognizable. Well, in recent, in the recent past few years, they started doing some where their faces are recognizable, but they're actors. But the, the argument that I've had all along is that most people who watch those aren't reading the credits. They're not reading that these are actors. They're looking at it and saying, this, this is made to look like an AA meeting, and they think here these AA people are on television. Now, they may want to go for it to be famous, or they may scare the hell out of them, and they don't even want to get near it because they'll I think they'll end up on television. And I think that's where we have to realize who the public service announcement is for. It's not for us. It's for the person who's out there and going to see it. And I've had people come into meetings and say they saw one of those last night at 3 in the morning after the bars were closed, and they came to us for help. 
But if they if they have a fear that their name they may show up on television, we could deter people from that. And I think you have to really walk around that. Another thing where I talked about this, and when I was uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, I wasn't too long in AA. My sponsor had me. Uh, doing a few things, and one of them was we had a, a meeting set up with some uh, professionals. And so when I went to meet them at the meetings, I was introducing myself with my full name and a few other things that I said that I picked that up from my sponsor, so I was doing that. Well, it turns out when I went to speak to the professionals, I wasn't smart enough not to use my whole name. I did it just the way I did in the meetings like I'd always been doing, and it was not right. Here I am before all these professionals giving him my full name and everything, and so I had to drop back and quit doing that because it, it's better when I just introduce myself the same all the time. In the meetings, I'll go up to people who are new there and give them my, my last name, but I am not sharp enough to, to know when not to do it, and I can get myself and AA in trouble because out there in the public, I can slip. And I saw another guy that was very well-known, in AA, and he was talking to a bunch of professionals at a conference, and he did the same thing, and he was there to speak about anonymity. And he stood up and said, Hi, I'm so-and-so, first and last name, and I'm here to talk to you about anonymity. And I think I was the only guy who cracked up in the back of the room. Uh, I couldn't believe he did it, because I've done it. But uh, everybody else just listened and never never said a word about it. But uh, I got to talk to him later about that. I thought it was, it just showed that I can't. I can't do it. I have to be extremely careful, just because when I start thinking I'm smart, so when I when I blow it. Also, in this uh, pamphlet, down a little bit farther, um, it says uh, maintain anonymity at the public level. When appearing on radio, television, film, or on the internet as AA members, we refrain from showing our faces or revealing our last names in printed articles or on websites or email. We are identified by our first names and last initials only. We use our first names and last initials only when speaking as AA members at non-AA meetings. And there's, there's and there's a pamphlet specifically for that speaking at non-AA meetings. We don't even put AA on our envelopes that we send through the mail. Our area was doing that for a while, and we had to stop because when we sent uh, letters to people and checks to people who had served, uh, and they had a reimbursement coming. We were having AA on our envelopes, and so everybody, the mailman and everybody else knew that they were in AA. So we had to stop that. Um, even if it's material that's going to be posted on an AA bulletin board, and such as, if you're meeting during a church and they allow you to have a bulletin board up, and we put stuff up on the bulletin board, if there's names revealed in there, we can be putting people at jeopardy. And it's not good. And if we use things like their uh, titles like reverend or professor or sergeant. Uh, we have to really be careful of that. And this is not only for the person, but this is also in respect to our relationship to the public and to the professionals and in and, and the churches and everywhere. We just don't, we need to be, we have to be very cautious what we do. We can be very friendly with them. We can be very informative to them. But this, this is an area where we have to keep the personality completely out of it. Also, it says, uh, the last paragraph on page 7 in this pamphlet, it says, we refrain from videotaping that special AA talk or meeting which might receive exposure at the public level. 
And as in the 1980 General Service Conference recommended, it is wiser that talks by AA members be given in person in view of the temptation of videotaping to place personalities before principles and thus encourage the development of a star system in Alcoholics Anonymous. That's something we have to be very, very careful of. I have one more piece here, and then we'll, we'll kick this out for some discussion. There's also a thing that I really like, and it's the Traditions Checklist, which is available from uh, the AA Grapevine. You just go to uh, grapevine.org, and you can get this Traditions Checklist. And it's got some very good questions uh, for us to ask ourselves. And under Tradition 11, <laughs> excuse me, it says, Our public relations policy is based on our practice rather than promotions. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. Now here come the questions. One, do I sometimes promote AA so fanatically that I make it seem unattractive? Been there. Just get to rant and raving and really trying to push it forward and, and, and cram it down people's necks, either a newcomer or a professional, either one. I have to be very careful and just do what it says. And uh, one of the best things that I've ever been given is to pray before I go talk to any professionals and or talk to newcomers. I say a prayer and just ask for God's guidance to keep me in check and not let my personality and my old ways run away with it. And it has worked pretty favorably since I've had a few bad accidents right off the bat. Two, am I always careful to keep the confidences reposed in me as a as an AA member? And that's one thing that I just that we can really do a lot of harm to AA when we get out there and start talking to people in the professional field or the public, and we and we just have to be sharing. You know, well, I was working with this guy one time, and and blah blah blah. You know, he did this or that or whatever. And it may be enough information for somebody in the media or one of the professionals to say, I know that guy. And here we are betraying their confidence they gave us. And I, I consider it sacred when I listen to a fifth step or somebody says something in a meeting. I can't go spreading that around because we just don't know what it can do and who it can go to. So I prefer, and this is what, and this is what I talk about all the time is we just don't do it. Because I know a fellow that one time gave his fist up to a fellow, and uh, there was some really tough stuff in their family stuff. And uh, the next day, the guy who he gave it to, the sponsor is, came back to the meeting and told everybody about all of it right in the meeting. And fortunately, that fellow stayed in AA, and he's sober today. It helps a lot of people. But I could have been devastated, and it could have killed him. Three... I am careful about throwing AA names around, even within the fellowship. Here we get into another thing, and we'll be talking about this on the next on the next tradition too. But I got to be careful how I'm throwing names around, and uh, to whoever I'm talking. And when I start throwing out full names, I don't know who's listening. I don't know who's going to repeat those names. I don't even have a right to do it posthumously. The people who are dead, we've had great discussions on that at the General Service Conference. And Bob said to Bill, let's just get buried like regular folks. We don't need all that stuff on our headstones. And that's something that's really important to me is that I don't do that. I don't have the right to break people's anonymity even after they're dead. And somewhere along the line, I know a lot of people have started taking that on as, that's okay, I can do it now. 
But when you start doing that, you actually can break other people's anonymity that are related to them or in close proximity to them. I just don't have that right. And for me to start thinking I have the right somehow has been given to me, um, I, I can really get in a jam and I can cause other people untold harm. Uh, four, am I ashamed of being a recovered or recovering alcoholic? And my answer to that is no, but I know a lot of people that still are, and I have to respect that. I have to let them have that. But this is a response of mine or in our group meetings when we talked about that type of stuff. That's the type of thing that I, I try to relate to. But that's where we can, we can, we've got to be very careful, um, what we do with the media and the professionals. We can be of great service to each other, especially the professionals and how they help alcoholics or, or any of the other fellowships, making sure that we relate positively. And I know that after a while, if somebody stays in the program, that the, the being ashamed starts to fade away. It can reoccur now and again. We can, some of the stuff we did can flare up, but we're talking about on a public level here, and we've got to make sure that we don't we don't do this and we don't cause this with people. Anything we do, that's um, you know, there's going to be people who are going to hear what the program's about and they're going to run. That's natural to some of us. But if I do things that are outside this program and me trying to promote it. I can I can cause untold harm, and I have absolutely no right to do that. Uh, five, what would AA be like if we were not guided by the ideas of Tradition 11? Where would I be? Well, I'll tell you what, I probably wouldn't be here. Um, uh, the ideas in Tradition 11 really have helped me a whole bunch, and especially being in a service structure, which sometimes service structure isn't for everybody, but service is carrying the message. But in a service structure and in the carrying the message within AA, going into, um, well, just this last week, I've been to a psych ward once, and I've been to a crisis center once, and next week I'm going to be in the in the treatment center. And going into those places and, and helping to carry this message, but I need to do that in a responsible manner. I'm carrying the message. I'm not promoting me. And that what I say in there and how I behave in there is extremely important. Because of the people who run the, the, these places, who are overseeing them, and also the people who are in there waiting to hear the message. Because we, I know that we've been kicked out of a few places right here in, in the town I live in because people got in there and started doing stuff other than what we were there for. Talking about other things, and the professionals moved us out. And it took us over a year to get back in some of those. And six, is my AA sobriety attractive enough that a sick drunk would want such a quality for himself? And I try to do that to the best of my ability. And because there's a lot of drunks that are professionals, and uh, some of them just haven't come to admit it. And sometimes when we get to talking to them, we can really uh, open the door there too. We had a program in AA for quite a while that was being pushed, and some of some of us still do it. It was called uh, Sponsor Your your Physician by taking in literature about our, our fellowship and, and doing that and not promoting ourselves, but saying what's available if they find somebody else that they're treating that might need this. And that, that has worked very good, too. Okay, that's about a steady diet of me. I think it doesn't harm anybody. <laughs> what I'm going to do now is I am going to unmute everybody and 
let everybody ask questions or make comments. Uh, don't worry about hurting my feelings. It's been done before. So here we go. Start by... Unmuted. Okay, you're all unmuted. Any questions, comments, or is anybody still there? Yeah. I heard you say we jumping from the AA campus on NMT about I'm making sure our last names are not on our emails. Can you elaborate on that? Could you elaborate on the idea that we should eliminate our last names from our email addresses? Well, if we're dealing, I mean, having your last name on your email address is definitely a personal thing and, and, and depending upon who you deal with. But if you're sending email information to professionals um, and dealing with professionals and you're having your last name on there, I believe, this is just my belief, I wouldn't do that. Um, okay, so this, this reading was in the context of, of, of AA or SA business to the outside community, not amongst ourselves. Yeah, amongst ourselves, we can do that. But one of the things about, and I, I'm sure you've noticed this when you pass emails from, from one person to another within the, within the email, that a lot of people pass them on with all the names hooked to them still. And all the email addresses. Although I, you know, I eliminate them all before I send them on. But a lot of people don't, and therefore a lot of names get passed on inadvertently. And their email addresses. So when we're dealing with the professionals, we really, and dealing with the, with uh, the public, we have to be very careful what we do because I've read some things that came out of, um, not picking on California, but there was a deal down in California where a man wrote a, a, a whole letter, a very inflammatory letter about something that was going on down there, and then he put his whole name and everything in his email address right at the end of it. And therefore, it hit the uh, the Internet, which is cyberspace. It, it went everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to be very careful of. This is Robert in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. yeah Robert. You know, Dr. Bob, uh, kind of thought that if he didn't use his last name in a meeting, it was an anonymity break. That reading out of uh, Dr. Bob in the, in the good old timers, uh, the conference approved uh, biography, uh, says that Bob said that there were two ways to break anonymity. One, by giving your name at the public level of press and or radio, and two, by being so anonymous that you can't be reached by other drugs. In an article in the February 69 grapevine, G.S. of San Mateo, California, wrote that Dr. Bob commented on the 11th tradition as follows. Since our tradition on anonymity designates the exact level where the line should be held, it must be obvious to everyone who can read and understand the English language that to maintain anonymity at any other level is definitely a violation of this tradition. That AA who hides his identity from his fellow AAs uh, using only a given name violates the tradition just as much as the AA who permits his name to appear in the press in connection with matters pertaining to AA. 
The former is maintaining his anonymity above the level of press, radio, and films, and the latter is maintaining his anonymity below the level of press, radio, and films. And whereas the tradition states that we should maintain our anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And it goes on to say that Dr. Bob's views on anonymity remain clear in the recollections of Akron's GOP, the Dartmouth Grant, though it was not the custom in the mid-1940s to give AA talks to anyone except Bronx, Joe noted a few members formed an unofficial public information committee that started to speak to Rotary and Quadras clubs throughout the state. Of course, we first had to get permission from Dr. Bob. He said that if you that you were not supposed to break your anonymity in the newspapers or on the radio, that he didn't think we would get any place if people didn't know we belonged to AA. He had the firm conviction that you should let yourself be known as an AA member in the community, and he was always sure to tell you about it every time you met him. Well, that all shut up. Now, we're going to be getting into that more in the next tradition. And also, because there's, nobody knows how to dial up Bob out of the phone book it's in my in my home group and in my meetings. But when I started going out and speaking to clubs and different places around in the community, me giving out my full name, I can start, I can just bend over that edge so fast um, uh, into uh, promoting myself. I'm, I'm out in the public. I'm not no longer within an AA meeting. Within the AA meetings, I definitely, I give people my last name a lot. I definitely do. But I also, one of the things that in the same writings, I read it today, on this stuff um, before I got on the phone, <clears throat> that we absolutely believe that everybody has the absolute right to just give their first name. They don't. We're not. They're not required to give their last name. I haven't even seen anywhere in the, in any of our literature where it says you have to say you're an alcoholic, although that's the general traditional practice within AA. But all the other fellowships too. Anonymity is is up to the individual, but at the public level is where we really have to pay attention. Within the within the fellowship, I know that in AA, what I have learned in just the last year and a half, that within AA, anonymity means something totally different than it does in FA. I know in, in AA, there's not as much fear involved, and there's not a lot of... Uh, um, Repercussions that can come about from the from the loss of anonymity, and I know that we have to. I know that in in such as SA and maybe a few of the others, where it has to really be respected. I can't take it upon myself when I break my anonymity. There better not be anybody standing close to me when people say, "Well, who's that?" Then you know, I have to be very careful of that the old timers taught me that when I came in. That when I break my anonymity, if I'm with anybody else, I mean, I have inadvertently broken their anonymity because they're standing there with me. So they told me to go home and practice on what I'm going to say when people ask me certain questions on how to answer stuff or who was with there. Did you see so-and-so or all these? Within our fellowship, within the meetings, how we deal with that is totally different than what we do at the public level. But once we step into the public level, and I don't care if it's speaking at churches or rotary clubs or before the newspaper or the television or any of those, we're at the public level. And when we go online, we're really at the public level, especially when we start attaching our names or pictures or whatever. We can get way out there. 
<clears throat> so I think what Dr. Bob says, I absolutely believe in. <clears throat> but we're talking about two different places. And I think that when we get into Tradition 12, we'll, we'll cover this a lot, especially what Dr. Bob had to say. Anybody else? Steve, thanks a lot um, for that. That was great. I wanted to just um, uh, thank you again also for the, the using that uh, uh, pamphlet on the uh, questions, uh, the traditions checklist. And uh, while you were um, uh, reading from it, I, I checked online and I found it. And if anyone would like a copy of it, um, please email me and, and I will send you one. It's, it's really good. Um, thank you. Yeah, there's one from AA2 called uh, Traditions Illustrated. Maybe a lot of you have already seen that one, but it is available too. And there's illustrations on there uh, about the traditions. And sometimes it helps people understand them a little better too by seeing those illustrations. And I believe you can get that on AA.org. Yes, that's where I found the checklist also, but I will I will look for that one as well. Yeah, the Traditions Illustrated. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a good one, too, because it can really help people understand it, uh, these traditions and what they're all about. Okay, I think I'm, I got it. Bob, could you please discuss um, the issue of people who speak at conferences and are reporting? Nowadays, somebody could uh, speak into a microphone well, somebody is making a CD, and it'd be on the Internet tomorrow. And there are people who, who do this work who are concerned about um, having first and last names um, on historical tapes. They're going back and scrubbing them to last names. Um, uh, somebody here, I'm uh, in the fellowship here in Nashville. I'm speaking to Michael. Because I'm speaking to microphone, I'm not going to use my last name. Can you talk a little bit about this and the concerns the fellowships have about not just current uh, taping uh, programs, but prior taping programs now that we have the internet? Well, I definitely, I definitely have a, a belief for myself, and that is, I when those things when they're taped, and I have no control of where they're going. Me putting my last name on there is, a, for me, is I just won't do it. That's why I only introduce myself as, hi, I'm Bob, I'm an alcoholic. That's it, period. That's how I introduce myself every time. Because, like I told you before, I didn't seem to have enough brains not to say my whole name and a whole bunch of stuff when I was in front of, you know, professionals. So I did the same thing on, on, when I, when I speak and then it's recorded. And what I do is I normally go over and I talk with the people who are taping. Many of them are good friends of mine, and I and I make sure that they just put they don't put my last name on them. And I try to I try not to I don't I don't want to be out there some um, man because um, I'm just another drunk. I'm just showing my experience, strength, and hope. And I don't want uh, you know I don't want people out there, and I don't want to be the cause of this thing deteriorating because of the use of my last name. I really believe that. Um, the, that thing about the 
giving, putting up bulletins in churches and stuff, because a lot of our groups do that, whatever fellowship. They have their own room, and they put those up, and there's people walking in and out of there. And if there's full names on there, then it's bullet. I have gone to conferences and looked at the tape table, and I see all kinds of them with full names on there. And I saw one at a, at a conference I was at down in uh, southern Wyoming, down against Colorado border. And there was a tape there of a, of a Hollywood person, and their full name was on there. And I thought, what the heck? And so I, I, I took, the guy gave me a copy. So I took it, I listened to it while I was driving home. And I have never heard such a bad representation of our fellowship as that. The profanity was flat unbelievable in the, in the, the, and absolutely there weren't any principles, uh, portrayed there at all. Yet on it was a, a speaker and this person's full name. Now that's the kind of harm that can happen to our fellowship or our fellowships when full names are being put on those things. I, I really believe in these traditions. I mean, my whole group is called the Traditions Group. I, they were hammered into me when I came in, and I thank God for that. Because you give me an inch, I want a mile. And for me, I think that these, a lot of the tapes, there's a lot of tapes out of the past that we can get that it just has first names on it. You know, or a first, na- a first name and an initial. But when we start, when we start breaking people that anonymity that way, we're at fault too, especially when we start going out on the internet and putting their full names out there on the internet. We have no idea where that goes. We have no idea who all comes in contact with that. And if you want a really good example of how, how huge it is, you just go onto the internet and just type in Alcoholics Anonymous and push enter and see what you find. You can't even, you can't cover all the pages. <laughs> so I really believe that we have to be very careful uh, nowadays, probably more than ever, that we don't don't use our last names and we don't break other people's anonymity. I have no right to break anybody else's anonymity at the level of press radio and film, even posthumously after they're dead. I have no right to do that. And I, I just, I take it very, if they want to break their anonymity, that's up to them. But I also believe that I have to be very careful when I break my own, what I'm doing to the fellowship and to others that people know there are people that are standing around me. I can break their anonymity just by doing that. So it's, it's a thing, I think the spirit, the principle of it and the spirit of it is what we have to lean on and go with. Um, just because something becomes popular doesn't mean it's right. Uh, and for myself, I just don't do it. Um, and I see a lot of people, other people who don't do it. And uh, everything seems to work fine without it. I hope that I, that's just speaking from my own experience. Also, I'll throw this in. I've known a few that have been around who became known as big-time speakers around, and they were traveling all over. And as this, as this, uh, the flush of popularity, I guess, went through their head. They lost track of the things that they were doing, and they were very, very bad examples of the fellowship. Very bad. There's some still around. But, I mean, they were, I mean, it was really, really terrible. And I felt bad for them, and I felt bad for the fellowship for what they were doing. But all I can do is is, uh, police myself. 
this road again. It, you know, yeah. it, it was one of the things that uh, I kind of struggled with uh, early on was the difference between confidentiality and anonymity. And anonymity, you know, of course comes from the Latin anonymous, which means without name, no gain. And I think that, you know, the, uh, the spiritual quality of anonymity means that the reason that we're doing something is not for personal self-aggrandizement so that we can look to the reason that we do it is because it's the right thing to do, as in carrying the message and being of service. And especially within service structures, you know, we can be so anonymous we don't know who each other are, and then we can't communicate with each other. And so I think that's what Dr. Bob was saying. You know, we need to be known to each other, but not at the level of the public. And I think the Internet, you know, certainly has raised the level of uh, public exposure to new levels, as I think Tim brought up with, you know, should you have your email, uh, last name on your email. And, uh, you know, if we're, if the intent is to, you know, to be of service, uh, we can certainly break our anonymity and our confidentiality uh, to people that maybe help from it, you know, as a resource, like you said earlier, the, uh, the police that went to you, Bob, and, uh, and asked our family members how, how they could be helpful. Uh, but at the, the larger level, as you know, we covered in our reading, what we want to do is promote the organization and not the individual. Because relapse is a fact of life in our fellowship, and you know, if we bring discredit on the organization, uh, we do it no favor. So we want to be anonymous at the level of the public, but certainly known to each other. Yeah, within within the fellowship, I, I really believe in what Bob said. You know, people can die from not being able to find somebody, you know, because they're we're so anonymous, nobody can get a hold of us. And we're not in the dark ages anymore, not, not hiding from the public. But what we don't do is... is there seems to be no limit to, uh, I know that we alcoholics, we can get carried off in a, in, a, in a strand that drags us way out there. And something that I have really witnessed that really works well within the AA service structure is like I can get a hold of any area. I can go on to the AA.org website, and then I can, if I'm looking for a meeting, I can just go down to meetings and click on it, and then I go to um, areas of the general service conference, and click on that, and it'll give me the, the state or the part of the state that they're from. And when I click on that area, if I want to get a hold of somebody, uh, say, for public information or whatever, their email address isn't on there. It just says public information. You address a letter to public information at that area and send your letter to that, then they can get on there and retrieve it from that, and then they can answer you. But it's, it's that way their name isn't out there. They're being of service, but they're not out there advertising, you know, with their name on the Internet all over the place. And I thought that that has been something that has been used widely in the service structure, and it also helps maintain this anonymity. I think that uh, confidentiality and anonymity are, are very different because uh, what we did, and this is something that I've disagreed with for a long time, is our 
our new newsletter for our area here in Montana. They put on there confidential, and then they started putting full names and phone numbers and everything in it. And yet those go up on the bulletin boards in churches and everything, and I, I kept saying this isn't right. You know, we got to observe anonymity, and the people within our area know how to get a hold of those people by just sending, getting a hold of those addresses, or before we even had Internet, they knew how to, to write you or get a hold of the answering service that would put them in touch with us. There's ways to handle all this without ending the spirit and the principle of anonymity. And in the next tradition, we're really going to get into that because, well, I took some severe lessons in that myself. Um, but here we're talking about safeguarding Alcoholics Anonymous and, and making sure that it's here for a long time to come because we're not running out of alcoholics. And I feel that all the other fellowships are in the same boat. That they have to protect, we have to protect all these fellowships from people like me and Bill and so that they're here for those who are still coming. And when it starts an erosion, it's really hard to, to stop that or check it. As long as we follow the principles that were laid out to us, I don't think anything has changed. We just have more ways of breaking our anonymity, but I, I still think that we need to really know how to deal with it. When we go and talk to professionals, and we're, we're going face-to-face with a group of them, I still don't get my whole name. I just use my last, my first name. That's it. And it's worked out really well. And they, and they haven't given us any problem over it. They deal with it. We explain to them why we do this. And they seem to very, be very understanding of it. So for me, um, I know a lot of people around you know, <laughs> that, that normally think I'm a hardliner on this, but I, I think it's such a responsibility, not for today, not just for today, but for down the road a long way. Because, you know, it's like it said right there in the, in the 12 and 12 and, and AA comes of age. They started calling us, now that was in the old age or the ice age or whatever. It doesn't apply here anymore. And I hear that a lot around the fellowship. And, um, and I, I know that it still applies. It's just that people are wanting to do it the way they want to do it. And so they've chosen to take a different path. So I think we always got to really study exactly where we're at with it and uh, make sure we stick to the to the principles. And it's kind of like um, <laughs> kind of like honesty. The old timer explained it to me. He says either you're honest or you're not. <laughs> that was uh, he didn't leave me a lot of wiggle room. And uh, boy, that really changed my thinking on that. And it's kind of like I'm either following the traditions or I'm not. And I, I have to be very careful what I do. And if I follow them according to what was laid out and everything that was written and handed on to us, I can do it if I just stop and think and talk to some other people about it. We can handle it in a way not to do any harm. And I think that's extremely important because there's a whole bunch of people that aren't even born yet that are headed for us. That's this is John in Nashville. Hey, John. Uh, uh, Bob, I really, I can really appreciate the one thing that I hear you often say over and over and over again is I need to protect the fellowship from me. And, uh, I, and I look at that, I, I, uh, I recently uh, worked with a sponsor on some work and one of the, uh, uh, uh lines in, uh, I believe it was in the 12 and 12 
talks about in, in the courts of making amends and, and, and doing nice step work, ten step work is, is not so much the damage I've done to other people, but the damage I'm doing to myself. And tying that back to this, this concept, and I've, I've heard a lot here about uh, using our, our last name on, on recordings and so forth and so on. And my experience over the years, and some of the people I've been around in AA, that, that some of these people, because they've become well-known speakers, circuit speakers, if you will, and turn into personalities, and often they, they end up self-destructing because they get wrapped up in their own stuff, uh, unfortunately. Uh, uh, and became their own worst enemy. Uh, but the thing I really want to get to is when that happens, there are people out there that the only, you know, the only Facebook they see is that AA member that walks in the room, and for us it'd be that SA member that walks in the room. We might be the only white book they ever see. And, and we have a responsibility to the fellowship that is far and above uh, our own personal desires. Uh, uh, this, this issue about anonymity is one of the things that I have, I don't know how I got to this place, somebody helped me get there, probably my sponsor, is in sharing other people's contact information. Uh, uh, for example, somebody who's moving to another city is getting permission from the people on the other end before I pass along their their email and phone number to somebody. Uh, unless I have their express permission to do so, I just don't do it. But there are people in our fellowship who are very guarded about that, that information. Understandably so. Yeah, I get a chance to pass on, you know, help people find contacts in other cities and states and even countries. And, uh, but I, I don't, I don't just, when somebody asks me for one, I don't just give it to them. I contact the person on the other end. And the person who's looking, if they want to give me their name, I'll give the other person their name and they can call them. Or I'll line them up with a meeting to find. They can find a meeting. But boy, people's, uh, anonymity, I just believe so strongly in that. I just, I think you're absolutely right on the, on the money there. Uh, I can do so much harm. Cause I don't really, you know, I, there's no guarantee how this person's going to be down the road a ways by the time they get to where they're headed. Well, I have to be very careful what I'm doing there, but it's their anonymity, not mine. So I just make it a, a real practice to to not not uh, break other people's anonymity, and if I can help people find contacts, which I get to a lot. I think it's a great privilege, but I do it in a very very careful manner. Okay. Like that line, Steve, Colorado one. Well, let's, uh, let's John and Nashville again. There's, there's one other thing that has jumped off, off the page at me here since we've been on this discussion. And that is, is we need to remember that these speaker recordings that we're talking about in AA, those are not conference approved material. And essay, they are not fellowship approved material. Uh, uh, putting them out there for public consumption may not always be a good idea. And, uh, and, and to quote Bill, uh, Bill S. here in Nashville not too long ago said in a meeting, a lot of, a lot of times in, in meetings I hear a lot of P.S. 
and that is bad suggestions. A lot of times yeah. there's bad suggestions on those recordings. Uh, that somebody who's not aware or not immersed in, in our culture, uh, the culture of 12-step recovery, may take to heart and end up uh, dead or, or otherwise. I'm done. Yeah, you're right on. It's the message that we carry, and I think it's so important, especially in this age of, of so many tapes and, and uh, CDs and stuff going around. And uh well, being very careful what we do with those. I know they're not conference approved. The only ones that I know of that are conference approved in AA is Bill telling his own story when Lois is there. And they're at, at Stepping Stones. And uh, and also when Bill speaks on the 12 traditions, that is the one that's a video. It used to be a, when I started first dealing with it, it was a 16 millimeter thing that I had to take from town to town to show. For our area, but now you can get them on on the CD, and you can and their faces are on there, and they talk on there. But they are conference approved, and we're supposed to really safeguard the anonymity when we when we put those out there. Therefore, AA use only, internal use. Anybody else? Okay, well, thank you all very much. I really appreciate doing this, and I guess we're looking forward to next month and uh, doing uh, this one really gets good on uh, Tradition 12. Uh, man, I took some hard hits on this, learning this one, and uh, I still do. But uh, we're looking forward to being with you all then. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.